podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. Good to have you with us, gang. Couple of cracking guests coming your way. ESPN Insider and the host of Fantasy Focus, the 06010 in the house. Field Yates, can't wait to catch up with Field. Been too long. And then Ben Isaacs bring in the UK game once again. We're going to get through as many of the week eight games as we can. Get you set for another jam-packed weekend of football. So let's get straight to it. Field, it is very good to see you. The best dressed man in sports broadcasting. Well, right now I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt, Nat, so I'm totally letting the show down. But I appreciate that compliment because I spend way too much time thinking about what I'm going to wear on the air. <laughs> you're still pulling it off, incidentally, even if you're going uh, for that hip-hop casual vibe. Uh, it's great to see you, man. Of course, uh, all of our listeners all across the country uh, love your work with, uh, with TMR and Secret Squirrel. Uh, so you need no real introduction, of course, to, to our family. Nevertheless, talk us through how the season has been for you so far. It's been a strange old world been living in most of this year right and how has that affected you on an individual basis well it certainly has been a year unlike any other for all of us and and i don't want to make it seem like i'm going through more uh, than others are i'll just give you a peek behind the curtain though of what life is like for us is that i basically go from home to work back home with not a whole lot in between and that's the responsible way to go about business these days and really the only way to go about business these days but the difference between this year and a lot of other years or every other year is not just that it's that When we wake up every single day and we are putting together our content for the day ahead, we're not wondering just about whether Christian McCaffrey is going to be eligible to play this weekend or whether, you know, a guy who's looking for a new contract has received that contract yet. We're wondering whether or not a team might be shutting down its facility and whether we have to advise people, hey, I know that, you know, this player is normally a superstar in your lineup, Derrick Henry. But we don't know yet whether or not the Titans are going to be able to play this weekend, as we saw a few weeks back with the Titans dealing with their internal outbreak. So it's a different year in terms of covering content that I would have never imagined I'd cover in my career. But just like everybody, we have to figure this out, uh, not just by planning ahead, but also by doing so on the fly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, as you rightly say, I guess the improvisation and the unknown that we're facing, whether it's professionally or, you know, personally, that, that is, is definitely bringing us together. And sport has been a, a massive beacon for, for so many people, right? That yeah. it's something to distract and to focus on and, and, you know, the nuance of that with fantasy even, even more so. Listen, we're going to look at some of the big games this weekend. You're going to help uh, us break those down and we'll do a rapid fire on a few others as well. But there are a couple of bits of news I want to lead off with because, of course, outside your sterling work as uh, the front man for the Fantasy Focus pod, you are an, an official trademarked NFL insider, right? So there are a couple of stories I want to get your take on and I want you to debunk them for us if, if they are all a lot of hot air and hype or maybe add a bit of validity to them if you think there's something in them. So let's start with this story doing the rounds about Trevor Lawrence, who is already the anointed number one overall pick in the 2021 draft, although you never know, something might change. But he seems to be that, that sure thing, that, that Andrew Luck style, sure thing that anyone is going to take number one. Reports emerging this week field that he might not come out in the 2021 draft. Mischievous reports suggesting he doesn't want to because he might get drafted by the the Jets or the Giants. Is there anything in this or is it all a a little bit of friskiness? I think right now, Nat, it strikes me as more frisky than anything else. And, you know, I think some of what happens is you have to sort of pay close attention to how the question is phrased. And then also for Trevor Lawrence, he 
totally after this season, there's a respect that you're giving your teammates on Clemson by saying, hey, I I don't know what's going to happen after this year because I'm too focused on this season. So I do wonder if some of what he is saying is more to – Um, sort of calm down all the questions about things not related to Clemson because he wants to focus on winning a national championship. And based on what we've seen through the first, you know, month and a half or two months of college football, it looks like Clemson is very much in the mix. And Mm -hmm. as much as it may seem like the Jets are not a team you'd want to uh, be drafted by, first of all, he's a competitor, Second of all, you know, for the Jets and all the things that they have done wrong, they're still in New York. They're still a team that has a strong rookie class this year, a general manager who's really well-respected. And, you know, most of these players want to prove that they can be the best at their position, perhaps ever. And if you're Trevor Lawrence, if you're running away from a challenge, right away that might be something that teams are going to have some second thoughts upon. It may not impact your draft that as much, but it might rub some people the wrong way. Yeah, it's a great point. It's it's a great point. Out of interest, what's your take on what, assuming the Jets and the Giants are one and two, which I know is a big if because there are the Jags are battling for, <laughs> for that top spot as well. But let's assume yeah. it's the New York teams one and two in, in terms of draft choice for 21, both of whom have invested heavily in, in first round draft picks, draft quarterbacks, that uh, first round quarterback picks that they've um, at different stages of their career with their respective teams. But like I said at the top, it seems like Trevor Lawrence is a no-brainer, right? So is it a, is it a lock that if either one of those is one or two, they take, they take Lawrence whatever and take Fields whatever? Or do they, is it a harder call for a team that already maybe has a quarterback? No, I think it's obvious here on this one. I think you have to take Trevor Lawrence first if you have the number one overall pick, and uh, especially if it's the Jets. And I think Sam Darnold is a better prospect still than Daniel Jones. But you're three years in with Sam Darnold. You have kind of given it a shot. Now I get it. They have not routinely protected him well. They have not given him a bunch of really capable pass catchers to work with. But I would say this is that if I'm the Jets and I get the number one overall pick, it's going to be incredibly difficult to resist temptation. And if you're the Giants, i got to be honest with you. I think there's a very good chance that – Uh, If you fall to the second pick this year, you're probably also thinking quarterback because Mm. it's going to mean that Daniel Jones' turnover problem has not gotten any better. Yeah, well, I guess you're at a spot on. We'll have to see what happens the next 10 weeks or so. Uh, We'll we'll probably answer that question in particular. Uh, Some deals getting done. Carlos Dunlap uh, moving to the Seahawks, and they needed to to re-up their deal. We'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, when we look at their game this weekend. What about other deals that, that might get done before the, the deadline? L- again, frisky rumors possibly, but uh, Michael Thomas, clearly all is not well with him in, in New Orleans. And, and Sean Payton actually had to address the situation this week, didn't he? Yeah, he did. I don't think anything's going to get done there. I think Michael Thomas right now is just a medical situation that is limiting him. It's not the, the, the fallout of when he was disciplined and forced to miss a game on Monday Night Football a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I know it feels a little bit sort of different and unique, but push comes to shove. This is an incredible competitor, one of the best players in the NFL. And if you look at the financials of it, it would be such a bad move financially for the Saints to move off of Michael Thomas. The only way that you could justify it from a financial standpoint is if you were being traded back a superstar player. 
right. not going to happen in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's get down to business then, Field. Uh, starting with Steelers-Ravens, obviously the standout game of, of the weekend, unbeaten Pittsburgh heading to uh, one of their biggest challenges uh, for a spot in the Super Bowl because these two uh, have got to be considered top-tier seeds with uh, the Chiefs in the AFC. Off a bye week, of course, the Ravens sitting at 5-1. and one. Last time they met, or certainly last time they met when Lamar was playing that the Steelers had his number right it's one of his worst performances ever as a uh, as a starter a rating of 54.9 he was sacked five times he threw three picks this was week five of last season so uh but although despite that they still went on to win the game but this is a very different uh Steelers side they're facing because of Roethlisberger back as well question is for you which big Ben are we going to see is it the one in the first half versus the Titans where he's dinking and dunking and rolling with ease Giving, showing the love to all of his receivers? Or is it the, the bad Ben of the second half when, when the Steelers ultimately became pick city, didn't they? They were completely different yeah, performance. Yeah, they did. What are we going to see? Think you're gonna, I think you're going to get more of the first half Ben and not the turnover-prone player that we saw in the second half. So I can't wait for this matchup, by the way. And I think Ben is certainly a big storyline going into this game. But um, I think Lamar and how he performs is the story of this game because if the Steelers shut him down, and by shut him down, I mean don't allow him to throw for 200 yards and run for another 100, then people are going to have some questions about Lamar Jackson against top-tier competition. Obviously, they lost the playoff game last year to Tennessee. They got smothered by the Chiefs earlier this year in a game in which he was dramatically outplayed by Patrick Mahomes, they need to win this one on Sunday to sort of ease some of the concerns about whether there's a ceiling on this team with Lamar Jackson or, as I would say, currently constructed. Mm. It's interesting how the Steelers played Tennessee and, and, and Henry in particular, leveraging the run blitz a lot. I mean, we know they love to blitz anyway, but the run blitz, seemed to, seemed, that seemed to work. Certainly for the first half, they kept him completely in check and, and for much of the game. So what are you thinking about how, how Pittsburgh approaches the ground game of the Ravens, which obviously they're going to look through Lamar and, and others to, to leverage? Yeah, I think that the Steelers are so good defensively that I don't want to say that they're not concerned because they are concerned, but if they can slow down Derrick Henry as they did last week, just 20 carries for 75 yards for the human freight train, Derrick Henry, then they're going to have an excellent, excellent chance of slowing down any running back crew. Now, Lamar Jackson's a different story. Uh, a big loss for Pittsburgh in recent weeks was linebacker Devin Bush, their middle right. linebacker, 10th overall pick in the draft a couple of years ago. And he's a player that, you know, it's hard to spy Lamar Jackson. What I mean by that is a player who plays in the middle of the field and kind of shadows the opposing quarterback. But if the Steelers had a linebacker who gave them at least a chance to influence the game in that way a little bit, it was Devin Bush. They mm -hmm. no longer have Devin Bush for the rest of this season. So this defense will be put to the test by uh, Lamar Jackson as a runner. Mm, it, that is going to be interesting and, and, and he's so evasive as well next gen stats talk about his evasion or eva yeah evasion percentage he's evaded 19.5 percent of pressures this season that's third highest in the nfl so even if you're bringing bringing it to him he can still get out of it uh, interestingly if you look at the the flip side of that only tom brady is being pressured on a lower percentage of dropbacks than roethlisberger this year so that's going to be fascinating as well whether the, the yeah. ravens can can get to big ben and put him off his stride where are you field on lamar so far this season because when you hit the heady heights that he did last year there's always going to be a bit of fall off right uh, but there seems to be i guess contrasting opinion on just how far he's dipped so far you know i would say this is that we haven't gotten to the point where we can totally like 
Lamar is an incredible talent. Like if I'm betting on one outcome, which is Lamar um, being a really good player, as opposed to Lamar being a player who has less of a ceiling to the other young quarterbacks in the NFL, I think Lamar's going to be a really good player. He just has to win the big game. And we've seen quarterbacks every year, every generation, guys who need to win uh, to validate their standing within the NFL. Lamar's going to get there in time. It just might, it just, it's just going to take a little bit of time. But, but every opportunity he has, like these, gets – I mean, these are the kind of moments that, you know, if you're Lamar Jackson, these can help redefine your career. But I'm still putting all my eggs in Lamar Jackson basket. I would say if you gave me the opportunity to build a franchise for the next 10 years and I had five picks – Lamar is going to be right there. Uh, he's going to be one of my five picks for the next 10 seasons. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's a, it's, a, it's a great point. We love to overreact, right? Our, our generation loves to overreact uh, absurdly so. And I think the suggestion that, well, he's really fallen off a, off a cliff, which I've heard uh, probably in some quarters is, is nonsense. On a kind of similar note, I'd mentioned at the top about how the Steelers offense is definitely different to our early era, old school Big Ben, right? You know, when... Yeah, as uh, I was working with uh, with Jason Bell, and I know she you manure earlier today, and they were saying how you know Roethlisberger would be standing there with players literally hanging off him <laughs> as he was keeping the, <laughs> keeping it alive, and that's all different. He's got one of the fastest releases in in the league, and as I say, dinking and dunking, and and these this core of receivers got to be amongst the best in in the NFL, the most dangerous in the NFL, and it's a it's a good fit, isn't it? What he's trying to do, the offense that they're executing, and the personnel around him to enable him to execute it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I mean, they're, they're well-built, right? I mean, like, mm. who finds wide receivers better than the Steelers? Right, no one. I mean, it's really an impressive because it's not like they've been drafting guys in the first round, the top ten picks, right? right? It's guys that are drafting the second, third, fourth round that they turn into such excellent players. And now we're at the point where Juju Smith-Schuster might be the best wide receiver on a dozen teams in the NFL, and he may, he's been the third most effective wideout for the Steelers so far this year. So mm. they find ways to uh, just, just create uh, competition there and create depth. And uh, they're impressive. They really, really are. It is uh, some sort of uh, exceptional job that GM Kevin Colbert does with his scouting system to find these players so routinely. I don't know what the secret is to Pittsburgh, uh, but they do as good of a job finding wide receivers as anybody in the NFL. I like to think there is some magic formula on a scroll. They keep in some kind of quite old school safe. I think <laughs> it's written in italic quill pen. <laughs> you yeah. Know that, yeah. We yeah, will find, sure. find the answer there. Hey, a similar question. You say if you're building a franchise for the next 10 years, Lamar would be a lock out of those veteran quarterbacks in the league right now. Right. So we're kind yeah. of Matt Ryan maybe is, is under the line, right? A little bit too young at what? 35. So anybody over that age. So breeze okay. and Brady, of course, let's have big Ben in there. Rivers, Old man Rivers still rolling as well. Who are you taking for, for one last hurrah? You're, you know, you, you, it's a win now, Field Yates, GM move. Who are you taking? The greatest of all time, Tom Brady. I mean, the guy who is just steamrolling once again, who's been brilliant, who was just named the NFC Offensive Player of the Month, the first Buccaneers Offensive Player of the Month award since 1990 when Vinny Testaverde wow. took home the award. Just Vinny. an incredible exhibition and sustained greatness and Tom Brady does everything right. Tom Brady prepares himself in a way that few others have ever prepared themselves for any walk of life. 
it's Tom Brady. He remains playing at such an incredibly high level, and we should be uh, not taking for granted the opportunity to watch Tom Brady play routinely. Oh, I, I couldn't agree more. And my God, they are looking strong uh, for another ring for Brady. Huh? Well, uh, let's move on to Rams-Dolphins. Next game I want to get into, obviously, two as first start is, is their headline. Too soon, do you think? I know there's so much excitement and hype and everything else, but yeah. if we all take a deep breath for a moment, Field, and just look at this in the cold light of day rationally, shouldn't they have sat him for a little while longer? I actually don't think so. And here's the reason why, Nat, is that you – In the NFL, I I sort of compare it to fantasy football in this way, is that Brian Flores, the uh, head coach of the Miami Dolphins, is not concerned about the opportunity to win seven or eight games, right? What he wants is he wants the opportunity to win, you know, 11 or 12 games in the the course of a season and end up being uh, an AFC East champion and things of that nature, right? So um, to me, this was about – the sooner we get Tua out on the field, the sooner he gets the opportunity to try and work through some of the rookie mistakes and some of the errors that he's going to make because every rookie is going to make them. And the sooner we have a chance to reach our maximum potential and heights and goals. That's where I look at it for Tua is that um, I love Ryan Fitzpatrick. We all do. But the ceiling for the Dolphins is in the long term much higher the sooner you get Tua out there on the field. I don't know if this is a, a, a kind of slightly spurious analogy, right? And, and I get the argument that the only way a quarterback, any player for that matter, but a quarterback is going to really learn their trade is by playing, right? And this idea of sitting yeah, totally. is overrated. But it's a little bit like, uh, you know, an elite ace starting pitcher and just protecting their arm in the early years, right? I remember, was it Strasbourg with, with the Nats? Sure, Nats's, it was Strasbourg, you know? exactly yeah. right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, there is, is, is there that argument that I, I get everything you're saying and the mindset that it engenders, Flores engenders saying, look, we're, we're going for it now. Forget next year. Forget, you know, transition season. We want it now. We've got a shot in the AFC East. Like, I understand that. But shouldn't they be thinking of the long game, I guess, is the counter-argument that it might be too soon for Tua for that reason? Yeah, no, I think they are looking at the, uh, the long game. I think all, everything you just said there is accurate. So they're looking at the bigger picture. They're looking at the opportunity to uh, be great long-term. And the sooner they get Tua on the field, the sooner they get the opportunity to turn him into a uh, potential franchise quarterback. I think that's mm-hmm. what their focus is right now is that, again, Ryan Fitzpatrick has been a lot of fun. But it's easier to do this now when you've got a player uh, that is in the middle of this bye week, right? So you have the bye week to groom Tua a little bit more, and you have an opportunity to potentially go out there and, uh, you know, and, and, and improve your team in the long term, even if it might come a little bit at the cost of the short term. Yeah, okay, fair, fair point. On to the Rams. They're hard to work out, this Rams side for me. They seem to really yeah. divide opinion. Uh, the great Greg Rosenthal, of course, friend, uh, friend of this show for a long time, has raved about them early doors in the preseason and said that he felt they were going to have a deep run. Other people not convinced. They look great against a, what is a very tough Bears defense, right? Forget their offensive issues. Although those two things might be connected, right? But the offense isn't doing any favors, then you're going get, to get gassed. Hard to work out the Rams. Where are you on them, Field? I like the Rams. I think they're a team that's going to uh, do themselves some favors uh, going forward. I think they're going to... Uh, be a legitimate playoff team this year. They certainly have a lot at stake now with the uh, LA being the city of champions and having to hold the same torch that LeBron and now the Dodgers uh, have, have held up. So the Rams are a team that runs the football incredibly effectively, a much improved offensive line, a defense that's got some star players, but also some young guys that have stepped up 
in a major way. I'd like to see a bit more consistency from Jared Goff, but I think all four NFC West teams could legitimately make the playoffs this season. Just on connecting the two things, the defense obviously balling and Aaron Donald in particular, some incredible stats kind of breaking out here. They, uh, where are we? So Donald's facing a double team. This is, of course, an ESPN stat. I'm a company man, as you know, Field Gates. Uh, <laughs> yes, indeed. Donald facing a double team on over 70% of the time when he's past rushing. Extraordinary. He's unbelievable, stuff. man, huh? And on Jalen Ramsey as well, as you say, some other big playmaking pieces on this defense. Ramsey has... Uh, allowed just 16 receptions and 160 receiving yards in total on nearly 300 coverage snaps. And it's extraordinary the way he's playing. Yeah, he has been exceptional. When you pay a guy $100 million, he needed to be exactly the kind of player that he has been so far. So really impressive to see what he has been able to do. And uh, he's kind of the glue, right? He's kind of the glue for that defense in the secondary because it's not just he's a corner now. He can also play uh, sort of some sort of linebacker hybrid role and, uh, he's a safety at times if need be, or he can be. He is an X factor for that defense right now. Okay, one more deep dive, and then we'll rattle through some fast uh, pace one take uh, picks from uh, from you. Pat's Bills, I want to talk about. Particularly want to talk about the Pats. And after a positive start, right, and probably maybe some might say with, with, with Cam, it's gone off the rails. And obviously COVID's had, had a big part uh, to play in that. What is Belichick looking at here? Uh, is, it, is this a big turnaround, like a two to three year re-up for the Pats? There's so little talent on that roster. But if anyone can get the most out of a limited roster, it's Belichick, right? Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. I don't know. Like, I don't want to count the Patriots out here, Nat. Mm. And that's a respect thing, right? It's it, I, like There are probably a lot of signs that tell us that that's, um, that's, that's what we should be doing but I am not quite there yet uh, at this time. So I'm having a hard time figuring out what to make of them. They don't do a whole lot well offensively right now. They're incredibly beaten up at wide receiver with uh, Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry hurt or banged up right now. And so uh, it might be a long year in, in Foxborough, but the Patriots are also an incredibly well-coached team, pretty diligent team, a team that uh, I think um, if anybody is uh, the one that we should wait a little bit uh, to count out, it's the Patriots, but they've got their work out of them going forward. I guess that you've got to look at that, your point, and look at the connection there that Belichick and McDonald's haven't really had much time with this team over the last couple of weeks, right? Because yeah. of the COVID. So, you know, they, they, can, uh, they can fix a lot of problems if they have that time. Do you think there's a danger if Cam has another game or two similar to the one that he had last weekend, they bench him permanently? Um, no, I don't think that's happening sometime soon. I really don't. Okay, uh, Stidham didn't exactly light it up when he came in. What about the Bills? Because Josh Allen versus his Pat secondary, which is you know still got playmakers in there, which he's always struggled with traditionally. That's going to be quite an interesting ma- matchup here. Yeah, no question about that. I mean, this this is I feel like a week. I'm looking at the week eight schedule right now, mm. and I feel like last week we had this crazy blitzkrieg at the 1 p.m. Uh, time slot at the <laughs> end of it. Right. But the 4 p.m. games weren't quite as encouraging. I'm looking – we got a good slate of games coming up here for this, uh, for this entire week eight. You are the hardest working man in showbiz field, so you've got to get out of Dodge. We'll fast five. One line, who's winning and why? Chargers, Broncos. Uh, give me the Chargers because of Justin Herbert. Yeah, Herbert's balling. Niners, Seahawks. Uh, give me the Niners in an upset win. They're going to find a way to run the football against Seattle. Ooh, Raiders, Browns. Uh, give me the Browns with a gut check win here after losing Odell Beckham Jr. 
Mm, the Browns keep rolling. Uh, Saints, Bears. Uh, the Saints. That Bears offense is broken. Mm, okay, that's fighting talk. And finally, Colts, Lions. I really want to pick the Lions to upset them, but give me the Colts because uh, right now that defense is playing in over its head. If you had to put your house field, Yates, and indeed your entire wardrobe on one of those teams making the playoffs, Colts and Lions, who is it? Yeah, it's the Colts. It's, it's the Colts for sure. They, uh, they're so impressive defensively, and uh, the Lions play in a division that has maybe the best team in the NFC with the Packers. It's great to catch up with you, man. I really appreciate your time, and check in soon, I hope. All right. No problem. Talk to you soon, Ned. Salute and Field, appreciate his time as ever. It'd be great to get him back on very, very soon. We'll roll things swiftly along and say a big hello to the great Ben Isaacs. Benedict Isaacs, good to see you. Full of news. There's news about Trevor Lawrence. You've got a puppy. The Falcons could be heading to the playoffs. I mean, I don't know where to start. Um, okay, well, let, let's start with the puppy mm-hmm. because it's been, it's been a life-changing experience. I've not had a dog in like 20 years and we got a miniature dachshund yesterday. His name is Otto. He's absolutely gorgeous. And he had, his, he had his first night. He had his first night with us last night. And there was whining, crying, and pooing himself at 3 a.m., which is exactly how I was watching Monday Night Football. <laughs> I was going to say, is he a Panthers fan? Was going to be my, my <laughs> next slide. Uh, well, firstly, uh, Otto, great name. Named after, I'm guessing, Otto Graham. Uh, well, do you know what I did? I did think of that yesterday when mm. it dawned on me that there was um, there was a, a Hall of Fame connection, mm. but um, it was basically we wanted a nice a nice German name to go with a German breed. But um, Otto Graham revolutionised the quarterback position, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, I like I like the connection. Clearly, deep uh, deeply felt one. And yeah. Final one on Otto because uh, we were chatting about this with Tom Deacon on the pod on, on Monday. Head coaches that. Essentially, you're most scared of in the NFL. Head coach, we talk about Vrabel at halftime. That's a no-nonsense halftime chat. That's how the Titans got back into that game against the Steelers. So we were compiling a list of the meanest, baddest, Singletary-esque halftime. I'm yeah. terrified of not making eye contact with your head coach. How are you going to approach rearing and bringing Otto up? Are you going to be quite touchy-feely, new age, Cliff Kingsbury style, or are you going to be drill sergeant Ditka? Uh, no, I'm I'm much more like a, a like a Cliff Kingsbury, although kind of not as attractive and probably not as effective. So that is kind of that is Matt Nagy, you know. Yeah. He is the, <laughs> sure. he, is, he yeah. is the poor man's Cliff Kingsbury um, in every single way in terms of awareness and attractiveness. Well, your Bears have got the Saints, right? Uh, your Bears, of course, you as the majority shareholder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I mean, that, that was a secret deal. We were not meant to be discussing that, that I am now a majority owner, but yeah. Okay. It was also thrown in as part of the <laughs> yeah, that was one percent of the Bears and Otto. Yeah. They got the Saints this, uh, this week, and let's, talk, let's start there because we're going to look at some of the other uh, games we haven't covered off with field uh, in week eight. And I also want to get to the Trevor Lawrence news as well. Trevor Lawrence testing positive for COVID, mm. what that means. But let's start, seeing as you mentioned, Nagy, with the Saints-Bears game, because it was a very flat performance for Chicago on Monday. You could understand it just about offensively, uh, because this is a limited team offensively. But defense was was shown up for the really the first time this season to that that degree so a lot to be concerned about a lot of stuff spinning off of course with the uh, from the game of course with the comments made by the espn monday night football crew and brian greasy in particular right about uh what he'd been told by nick Foles. Foles saying sometimes calls come in 
and I know that that can't be executed. So I, so I essentially changed the play. Two schools of thought on this, Ben. Some people are saying bang out of order. Uh, agrees to say that and put it in the, the way that he did. Other people saying, well, hang on a minute. He's having an interview. The player told him this. This is, this is what was said. What's your take on it? What does this mean for, for Matt Nagy's authority within the organization? First off, um, I've got a lot of time for Brian Grease. I think he's a very intelligent, very intelligent man. He's a, he's a really good analyst. And he is a former Chicago Bears quarterback. He knows the, the general kind of franchise dysfunction um, at that position. I don't mind him saying it, and I don't mind that Nick Foles was talking about it. Like Nick Foles, <clears throat> he wins every press conference. Every, after every Bears game, I listen to the, the, the press conference, and he is fantastic. He breaks everything down. He's so confident. He's so articulate. He's so intelligent. But something that has driven me crazy over the past season and a half is how many times the Bears will have to take a timeout so that they don't have a delay of game penalty or they do have a delay of game penalty or they're clearly rushing to get the snap off. I mean, the other week against the Panthers, they, they almost took a delay of game penalty. So they took a timeout to avoid it and then came out of the timeout and they had a delay of game penalty. It literally took them four minutes to run the play they were trying to run. There is clearly an issue with the plays that Nagy is calling, whether they're coming in so slow or the players are unprepared, and you cannot just put that down to the players. You have to put that down to the coaches because if it keeps happening, the coaches either have to, you know, the, the cliche, coach them up so mm. that they know what they're doing or you need to adjust your play calling. His mm. play calling has been erratic and he is an unreliable play caller. Simple mm. as that. There, There is not, they are very, very, in terms of talent, a very average offense. And in terms of production, they're a below average offense. Mm. The offensive line is causing them all sorts of problems. And Nick Foles is not getting a whole lot of time, even when he, he can get the playoff. There are multiple issues, but a big part of that is whatever Nagy is sending in to Foles because it isn't working. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really valid points. And you, you, you watch the Bears very keenly. And clearly there is that combination of a little bit well, it's not exactly like the Patriots because you've got McDaniels, which is a, the almost diametric opposite. But there's only so much you can do with the talent around you, right? There's, a, there's obviously that problem. And then that's exacerbated seemingly by it. That seems to be the uniform opinion. But at the same time, I kind of understand some people are saying about this particular situation, which is, well, that happens a lot in the NFL. Or at least it's not a, a particularly distinctive or unique occurrence that a play gets called and the quarterback says actually no that's not I I know this better than you I can mm. I'm the one executing it but it is it, it was interesting nevertheless because it's fanned the flames Saints are favorites game in Chicago of course Saints are uh, a, a favorite uh, despite the fact they're banged up at receiver again no Michael Thomas again Manuel Sanders out as well. So is this potentially a bounce back game for the Bears? If they can stifle, because the key is to whether they can hold Kamara, I guess, but if they can stifle, uh, stifle him uh, and force Breeze to use some of these second tier receivers, do you feel that they've got enough simpatico to, to, get, to get the job done against what is a very strong Bears secondary? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely on Alvin Kamara. If he can be effective early in the game, I think it's going to be a long day for the Bears. Mm. I actually think the Bears can keep it, the Bears defense can keep him in check. Um, but the thing is, even if they contain the Saints offense to a certain extent, and let's say they limit the Saints offense to 20 points, for a lot of teams, they'd feel like that's, that's enough to get the win. 
but I'm not sure I see the Bears scoring 20 points. I yeah. think even if the even if the defense does their job, I'm not convinced the offense can hold up their part of the bargain. Mm. I think it's difficult to see past the Saints personally. I think the Bears are about to drop to five and three, and I think a lot of people will have a kind of told you so attitude about that. But here are the facts: they've played two good teams, the Rams and the Bucks, and gone one and one. Two decent teams, the Colts and the Panthers, and again gone one and one. And three bad teams, the Lions, Giants, and Falcons, and gone three and zero. Oh. Mm. So they hadn't. They had an easier start. And my prediction for the halfway point of the season was to be five and three. The only games I've got wrong were I thought before the season they beat the Colts and lose to the Bucks. Right. They flipped those ones. They're exactly where I thought they'd be. I thought Nick Foles would be the quarterback, but not be very effective. And I thought the defense would play well. I didn't think the secondary would be as good. And I didn't think that the Bears' offensive line would be as bad. Mm. So I don't think the Bears are going to be able to do enough on offense. And I think the Saints will perhaps not run away with it, but I think they'll win by more than a touchdown. Okay, let's talk Cowboys-Eagles next because Andy Dalton didn't practice Thursday. We're recording this Friday morning, right? So there could Mm. still be a last chance uh, reboot for for Dalton's Cowboys fans. I presume we'll be praying for this because otherwise it means the the first start for the Nooch, uh, who, uh, Ben Danucci, who looked pretty hapless, albeit in very difficult circumstances to be thrown into, right? For your welcome to the NFL Mm. moment. How much did you know about him in college and and him coming out of college? Because he was not a a player I was hugely familiar with. No, I didn't even think he'd be drafted. I thought he would be signed as a free agent, maybe a practice squad. I was a little bit surprised when the the Cowboys drafted him. Um, And I think that was because he'd already had offers from some NFL teams who'd said, look, if you don't get drafted, here's what we'll we'll give you. Right. He does seem like he's he's a project, third stringer. Obviously, if you're third-string quarterback, you are either developing them or you've got a, a very experienced uh, very experienced guy there just in case. And that was Dalton, who was their experienced guy. Ben who's Danucci, he like? Who, 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 do you, who do you compare uh, him to? My God. Um, to me, he's like a, he's like a not very good uh, Daniel Jones. <laughs> um, I know. I'm, I, I, I feel bad about that. I mean, so, so he's he, decent with his legs. Yeah, he, start, he started his career at Pitt. And then he wasn't able to get enough games. So he dropped down to FCS level to play at James Madison. And James Madison are one of the big powerhouse teams at the, at the lower level. But the thing is, is that although he won a lot of games there, he didn't even throw that many passes. Mm. There was, I, I saw there was one game where he had to throw up to 40 passes. And I think they lost and it was against Elon. Now, the Eagles are better than Elon. I'm going to go out on a limb and say this because I'm guessing that very few people even listening to this will have heard of Elon. Um, Danucci is going to be so out of his depth, and it's not his fault because they were not expecting him to be starting a game in the middle of the season. This is just really bad luck Mm. for Dallas. Um, He is not equipped for this. I'm not convinced he will ever be someone who takes a lot of snaps in the NFL. This is going to be a real baptism of fire. The Eagles aren't even particularly good. you know, the, the Cowboys will just have to, I guess, lean on Zeke as much as possible. I do not think that's going to be enough. The, the Eagles are not a particularly good team, but they should, they should make Danucci's life an absolute nightmare. There's an interesting stat that for, uh, the New York Times in their roundups of the games this weekend pointed out that this season, there have only been six games in which a quarterback has attempted 50 or more passes. Dallas 
are involved in three of those, right? Danucci <laughs> uh, hasn't attempted even 40 passes in a game since October 2018. So that's yeah. well. And there as you go. say, if they know that the offense is terrific receivers notwithstanding, but you've got to get them the ball, is Zeke Elliott and Zeke Elliott with a bit of Pollard thrown in. The Eagles are going to be able to take care of business easily with that front seven, right? So yeah. I, uh, I can't see any way unless, you know, we've seen this sometimes before. Uh, I guess, Ben, I'm trying to think of a, a parallel when a quarterback has come in. I mean, Minshew, I guess, is the, you know, he's thrust in. Uh, after Foles, of course, was injured. Yeah. And, you know, but uh, again, I guess Minshew's upside and uh, viability was a bit more robust oh, than Minshew's, right? Yeah, and, and Minshew was known for being able to air it out. He'd, he'd work with coaches where it's like you pass it on every down. Right. He had a great arm. And, you know, Gardner Minshew was someone who Nick Saban was trying to recruit at Alabama. Right. So, different level. Uh, yeah, a, to- a totally different level. That's not to say if you play at FCS, you can't, you can't compete because, you know, Flacco won a Super Bowl and he was at FCS, mm. you know, and Garoppolo. So, it's, it's not like it's a foregone conclusion, but he isn't one of these guys who people were looking at like, ooh, that's a real diamond in the rough. That does fascinate me. You and I have definitely talked about this before, but for the benefit of, of our listeners, it does fascinate me that you can have a player, given all the Division I teams in college, that doesn't get a starting gig there, can't get a starting gig there. And I know there may be a couple of exceptions as to why they're not playing in a, in a college at that level, but usually it's because they can't get a starting gig, mm. right? And then they're suddenly in the NFL, they're getting drafted by the NFL. Compute that for me. How come they're at whatever percentage of, of Division One quarterbacks that don't get a sniff of an NFL contract and then a, a bunch of players like the ones you mentioned not only do, but, but go on and win Super Bowls and become starters for years? How is that possible? Sometimes they've got the raw tools, but they need to be in just the right situation. They need to be with the right coaches, in the right offense. And, you know, there are, there are plenty of... Uh, there are plenty of quarterbacks at major universities who win a lot of games who do not have, who do not have the tools mm. to play at the next level. They might be an ideal college quarterback, but they do not have the NFL tools. But the, there are certain things that the likes of Jimmy Garoppolo and Joe Flacco had that coaches knew they could mold. And also, if these players get to play a lot of games, they get to start a lot of games at the FCS level, that is really good. Whereas you look at someone like a Mitch Trubisky who started something like 12 games in his college career. A lot of the time I want those players with, you know, 30, 40 starts. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's a conversation for another podcast. It's something I'd like to look into about looking at all the quarterbacks in the league and how many, how many college starts they had mm. and see the ones, the ones who are the most successful in the NFL right now. I think there will be a strong correlation. Those who had a lot of starts and those who didn't have many starts. And there were a lot of USC quarterbacks who seemed very talented who would come into the league off the back of starting for one season who just couldn't quite make it. You learn so much when you're able to watch a player for three or four years. And those quarterbacks who drop to FCS, they have a lot of game tape for the coaches to see. I like, I like the idea. of well, That's a good note down, Ben, for an off-season deep dive. Mm. Uh, along with Life with Otto, I think, is our second that we're <laughs> yeah. going to be working on this offseason. Uh, Monday Night Football is the Bucks at the Giants. So I want to double down, actually, and 
put the two New York teams together, Jets have the Chiefs. The Chiefs are 38 point favorites for <laughs> <laughs> maybe not quite that high, but uh, heavy favorites, as are the Bucks, of course, actually, just to see what the line is at the moment. So, yeah, the, well, actually, the Bucks is off the board. Uh, no surprise there. Yeah, the Chiefs are 19 and a half point favorites. My God. Uh, and will quite conceivably cover that. Although, of course, the. Uh, you know, the Jets defense held firm last time out to, to some degree, right? Give them, give them credit there. Why I want to connect them together is, is probably fairly obvious. And we can bring in Trevor Lawrence here now. As I said at the top, Lawrence uh, testing positive for coronavirus. So before I ask about the Jets and the Giants and Lawrence, what does that mean for, for Lawrence, for Clemson? What's the protocol now? So he has to isolate for 10 days. Most conferences have a 10-day rule. The Big Ten actually has a 21-day rule. So it depends on what day they start that 10 days from, because depending on when they decide to start that, he could play against Notre Dame a week Saturday. Those two teams look like the two best teams in the ACC. And that right. means it is huge. That's, got, that's a game with national championship implications. And if Trevor Lawrence doesn't play, then Notre Dame might win that. If he does yeah. play, then I, I think Clemson will win. If Clemson don't win that, then, they can forget the national championship. That, yeah. that blows their season up because they'll have missed Trevor Lawrence for two games. They, they'll be fine this week, but next week it's a, it's a big issue. And the whole thing becomes chaotic. Now, Notre Dame are an independent. They don't play in a conference. They set their own schedule, except this season, because of COVID, that was impossible. Mm -hmm. So all their traditional rivalry games, it's, they've not been able to do them. So they have a scheduling partnership with the ACC which means they play a certain number of games against the ACC every season. And in other sports, Notre Dame are in the ACC. This year, they are a part of the ACC for one season, which means that they could win a conference championship for the first time in their history. Notre Dame are the most famous team in college football, but they've never won a conference championship because they've never played in a conference. So I do like the idea of history being made. Notre Dame winning a conference championship and then either just giving the trophy back or having it in their trophy room as a, as a very strange memento of a very strange season. This, lots of players in college football have, been, have tested positive for COVID. Trevor Lawrence is not only the biggest name, but because of the timing of it, it's got the biggest implication. It might completely ruin Clemson's season. I like the idea if, no, if, if Notre Dame win the, uh, win the title and then just leave town with the trophy. Kind of like, uh, I can't remember which wrestler it was, but could jump from WWE to WCW yeah. and just dumped the uh, belt in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what they should do is they leave, leave dodging. Okay, so we'll watch that keenly because uh, that is, is fascinating in, in terms of, uh, as you say, how the uh, Trevor Lawrence... Uh, uh, injury uh, suspension yeah. is, uh, is applied. And, and I should say, it'll be down to the ACC that decides when, those, when that 10-day period starts. The ACC will want Trevor Lawrence to oh, play against course. Notre Dame. Be... Now, this is if he's well enough, obviously. Yeah. Now, apparently he has very mild symptoms, mm -hmm. but you know they want that to happen. This is their showpiece game. This is the two best teams in the conference this season. They want that with Trevor Lawrence. So... They may make it, ah, no, 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 it's fine. We started at this date. That's when he got it. Find a bit of paper that uh, gets them out of jail. Yeah. Uh, okay, so Jets, Chiefs, Bucks, Giants. Giants and the Jets, clearly on that trajectory for the number one overall pick. The, the Jags, particularly given Atlantis win last night, the Jags conceivably the other realistic contender for it. I suppose the Bengals might be, but, but it seems like Burrow's balling enough to, to get them a couple of wins. So 
what happens next with those two? I mean, it, it's a question I'm asking quite a few of our guests, given your college creds. I'm really interested in what you think about the fit for either uh, Fields or, or Lawrence. Uh, and you can't turn down Trevor Lawrence. We were talking to Fields Yates about this earlier. Like, no one's going to turn him down. But is that as simple with Justin Fields as well? Or has that become a more complex question to answer? Trevor Lawrence is someone, he is unpassupable, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, haven't, I haven't felt this way since Andrew Luck. He just seems like he is made to be a prototype NFL quarterback who will just get everything right. Now, of course, Andrew Luck got put in the perfect situation because the Colts, they were only kind of rebuilding to a certain extent. They didn't bottom out because they were a terrible team. It was because Peyton Manning missed the season and they couldn't cope without Peyton Manning, which is fair enough. Mm. Whereas the Jets and the Giants are bad teams, especially the Jets. Mm. If you put any star quarterback on this Jets team, it does not automatically turn into a good team. There is so much work to do. There is certainly a school of thought that would say the value you would get from trading away the Trevor Lawrence pick at number one overall, if you are the Jets, the number of picks you could accumulate what do you reckon what do you reckon you could get i reckon you could get two first rounders Mm. two second rounders and some make weights further down the line just for that number one pick and they'll throw percy harvard in as well yeah possibly (laughs) bring him out of retirement and throw him in i had an interesting theory on that that kind of associated with that that the dolphins the reason they're starting tour is because they want to see what they've got Mm. and if Given the draft capital they've got, they are one of the teams that could make a move for, for Lawrence next season. I know it sounds pretty far-fetched. We haven't even seen Tua start a game yet, but it's not a, it's not a crazy here, is it? I mean, if, you, if, you were, if, if they realized that, if they found out that, okay, yeah, Tua is the real deal, but they could still also be in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence, then to me, then, the, then, the, then it makes sense to trade those picks away mm. and get an absolute fortune back for him. Mm. Um, you know, I think Tua will be the real deal. Um, and I think most neutrals are pulling for him because he he's, seems a great kid. And that terrible injury, it looked like, you know, that might completely stymie his future. But the Jets, I, I fear for Trevor Lawrence if he's on this Jets team. There, there is so much dysfunction. There is so little talent. Uh, and that's on the sideline and on the field because they're an absolute mess when it comes to coaching. Mm. In a way, the Jets... If they, dra- if they draft Lawrence, the gaze isn't sticking around. There's no way they... No, I mean, exactly. If they, if they finish with the worst record in the NFL, then surely Gase has to go. But then the choice of, the choice of coach is just as important as, as your draft pick because you need just the right guy. You've got to have someone who is going to... It's not just a really good coach. You've got to have someone who is the perfect fit for Trevor Lawrence. You cannot waste a generational talent such as Trevor Lawrence. Now, if somehow it's the Giants, now that's a different situation because the Giants already have a franchise player. They've got Saquon Barkley. Mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley is, the, is one of the two best running backs to come out of college football in the last 10 years. If you've also got the best quarterback to come out of college football in the last 10 years, you've got the makings of something there. And also, I'm, I much prefer the coaching staff of the Giants to the coaching staff of the Jets. I think they have good coaches and they have kept games close against decent teams and they've been doing that without Saquon Barkley if I was Trevor Lawrence you know that the in the endorsements you can make by playing in New York are huge right I if I were him 
I would be praying to be a part of the Giants. Mm -hmm. They will support him. It's a well-run organization. I know a lot of Giants fans will be kind of poo-pooing that, but come on, deep down, we know the Giants are a first-class organization, especially in comparison with the Jets. Mm -hmm. Look at what they did with Eli Manning. And Eli Manning is nowhere near as talented as Trevor Lawrence. You get the right coach in that position, as I think they've got. You get the right quarterback. You sort out that defense. You've got Saquon Barkley. You've got a team there set up for the future. Mm. Whereas, I mean, Justin Fields is absolutely fantastic. If it wasn't for Trevor Lawrence, he would be the best quarterback in this draft. But he is not Trevor Lawrence. He is just a, an excellent quarterback. And I think he'll, he can be a fantastic starter. But he's not Trevor Lawrence. If Lawrence is Andrew Luck, at least in terms of sure thing status, what's Fields? Ah. <sighs> Partner, he wants to say Trevor Burrow of Trevor Burrow, Joe Burrow. Yeah. Um, but he's that's that, Trevor. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've not seen him F, yet. He played FCS as well. Yeah, he's like uh, he's like Cooper Manning. He's Lucia's backup. Yeah, um, he is. To me, he's a combination of kind of Joe Burrow's raw risk taking, but with Garoppolo's intelligence. Mm. So I'd like to put the two of those together, and I think he's he's better than both of them. Um, but I just, I think he's going to end up in a bad situation, which sounds obvious when you're, when you're a quarterback drafted early, I can see him in Jacksonville. And I think it's going to be very difficult for any quarterback to succeed in Jacksonville at the moment. For a while, yeah. Fair point. All right, two more games to pick, and then we're out of dodge. Vikes Packers. Oh, so wait, so are we, are we, are we picking the, the, the Chiefs and Bucks in these games? Is that... Is that what's is that what's happening? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Upset. go upset. Which is okay. The more likely upset is 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 who? I guess it's the oh man. I, I know. We'll pick that one. Um, I mean, what's so like the 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 only interesting thing to watch in Jets Chiefs is the spread. Is can the Jets cover the spread? <laughs> yeah. Whereas the Giants have done well covering the spread. The most chance of an upset is the Giants game, and that's only if the because. No franchise has given Brady more problems than the New York Giants. Mm. So, if anything, it's just a weird psychological block. But yeah, the Bucks, I, see, I see that the other way. I just see he's going to unleash hell with his team. Uh, yeah, these are both going to be blowouts. Let's face it. Antonio Brown won't uh, be star, won't be playing in that one. They expect incident. He's got to go through COVID protocol, right? So mm. he won't be he won't be around for another week at least. But um, another weapon added to that mix. They look very balanced indeed. The Bucks. All right, Vikes, Packers, and Titans, Bengals. The other two. The Bengals is um, producer Ollie, uh, who is a Bengals fan, always thrilled. Uh, to point out that the Bengals are one twelve and one in one score games under Zach Taylor, so that's um, something that drives him mad. Uh, Producer Ollie feels that this is an inherent flaw in the Zach Taylor reboot uh, or the Bengals reboot with Zach Taylor at the helm. Mm, the counter argument, I guess, is actually the fact he's taken a fairly lackluster side, relatively speaking, mm -hmm. and made them competitive in all these games. Means he's a great coach. There's a, there's a lot to be said for if you keep losing close games, eventually you'll get over the hump. Mm -hmm. And if you keep winning close games, that can't be sustained. So, you know, look at the Bears. When they win, it's close. They never run away with it. And those things will catch up with you. Right. Bengals, to me, are, trade, are trending in the right direction. Um, Joe Burrow, poor Joe Burrow, isn't getting a load of help. But we knew this would happen. But he's looked good at times. Do you see that he's been nicknamed Joey Covers? Joey covers. I love it. Yeah, it's, that's fantastic. I mean, they do keep losing close games and the Titans are winning close games. Um, 
you know, I we all expect. I know it's perfect. We ex- we expect the Titans to win this, um, but I think it'll be less than a, by less than a touchdown. I I like what the Bengals are doing. This was never going to be a quick fix, and yes, that one twelve and one that does look ugly. But you can be one twelve and one losing a lot of games. So okay, in games you know of less than a touchdown, they're finding it hard, but at least they're coming within a touchdown, and that, you know. I think the Jets would take that right now. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Another close one then against the Titans, you think? Yeah, but a Titans win. But a That's Titans win. And finally then, that leaves us Vikings-Packers. Uh, I mean, the, the Vikings are one of those teams that I think uh, really hard to work out. They're clearly not great, but they at times have shown that they could have been, could have been, contender, could have been <laughs> contenders this season. I know that secondary is young and raw and defensive they're not what they have been in in recent years but then things start to click and we've talked about Jefferson on on this show of course uh Thielen Dalvin Cook when he's fit there's a lot of pieces around here and yeah Kirk Cousins is a flawed guy and we get it uh but he is still 16 to 20 level quarterback in the NFL so when he's on song when he's chiming when the offense is chiming they you know, they got a sucker punch or two. So what do you think this could be a possible trap game for the pack is what I'm asking. I'm going to say no, but I mean, Minnesota have been so disappointing. They have talent. They clearly couldn't adjust to the turnover in personnel they had to deal with. And now it feels like they've given up on the season. Mm. But I think the issue is that in this, in this particular week, the way that Rogers is playing, how efficient that Packers offense is, and the secondary that you mentioned of Minnesota is, has been so bad. Like, they need to work hard to get to being an average secondary. If you've got a below-average secondary against Aaron Rodgers, the way he's playing right now, you will be devastated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there will be games where the Vikings will keep it close and they will cause some upsets. To me, this particular matchup is a, is a bad one for them. But I tell you something, they keep losing games... This is a great landing spot for Justin Fields. That'd be well, fair point. There was a great headline on uh, on the Packers Wire website. Who's going to cover Devonte Adams on Sunday? Question mark. Does it matter? Question mark. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Fair forget it. Sums forget it. He, he will do what he likes. So no trap win there. Uh, so in other words, as we're in lockstep about that, put all your money on it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on, on the trap game win. Let's do Seahawks 49ers uh, next, Ben. One of the games of the weekend, of course, and the Seahawks as we referenced at the top of the show very briefly, doing a deal with the Bengals to get Carlos Dunlap. Much needed, of course, because this incarnation of the Seahawks, definitely not defensively led and, and definitely struggling when it comes to pass rush. This can't get anything going. Their line is, is really, really struggling. So Dunlap's a vet. He should have an immediate impact. They're a stronger team for it. Yeah, I, I really like the move. I mean... Seattle know that they are in win now mode because Russell Wilson is playing absolutely lights out. The offense is doing what it needs to do in general. You've got to be able to support that with your defense because they're on a Super Bowl trajectory right now. Mm. You can't think, oh, okay, well, well, we'll fix this in the draft. You've got to keep doing it now. Your, your window may stay open for a few seasons, but while it's open, make those, make those moves. I've, I've loved the Seahawks all season. And it was a real wake-up call for them against Arizona. I mean, those games will happen. I think Arizona are going to cause a lot of problems for people, but it really highlighted those defensive frailties. Mm, look at the stats. And we've talked a bit on this show this season 
about how some stats can be misleading, you know, passing yards given up, for example, because if teams are chasing you and chasing the lead, they're going to be airing it out usually and often pick up maybe some garbage time touchdowns and big plays in garbage time because you're, you're giving them that because you're bending not breaking. Uh, so that is, mm, take it with a pinch of salt. They are allowing a league worst 479.2 yards a game. As the as San Francisco Chronicle points out, that means they're on pace to break the NFL record, uh, 7,667 yards, which is held by which team, Ben? 2012? Oh, boy. The New Orleans Saints. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, well, see, there we go. There's, there is a team that was very imbalanced mm-hmm. um, and all on, all on Drew Brees and that offense to make things work. And it's, it's a similar setup, although I would say, although they're giving up those yards, I'm not sh- quite sure where they rank in scoring defense, but I think it's a lot better than exactly. where they are in yardage. And yes, they bend, but they don't always break. This isn't, this isn't a disastrous defense. Like when we talked about... The Bears having the offense just failing at everything, but the defense being yeah. good. It's, it's not like that sort of imbalance. It's just that defense needs to step up. They are allowing long drives, but a lot of the time they're holding teams to field goals, which is, which is great. Um, I, I, in terms of this game, though, mm. it's whether the 49ers have got the offensive firepower to take advantage of that, mm. considering all the injuries that they've had. I mean... I think San Francisco may be the best coach team in the in the league right now. I was going to say, if they make the playoffs, Shanahan has to be coach of the year. Oh, right? Absolutely outstanding job because they've all those injuries. They're winning in spite of the quarterback situation. It's you know they've had injuries at quarterback. Garoppolo mm-hmm. has not always looked good, although it's hard to really fault him the way he played against the Patriots. The week before was a little different. There were short passes that went for long yards in the end. I don't think this is a good matchup for the, for the 49ers. I'm not sure they can take advantage. And I think they will struggle to contain Russell Wilson. I mean, if they, if they, if they lose this, it's not like they're out of contention. Mm. That division is just absolutely brutal. That is the most entertaining division in, in football, the NFC West. It's, it's going to be such a grind. The 49ers are going to beat some more good teams but I don't think they're going to beat Seattle this week. I'm with you. I think Seattle get the win uh, as well. But I do still think, to your point, uh, it's incredible what Shanahan is doing. And it's going to be an, another tight one, I think. Uh, you know, the, the, the Seahawks are specializing in those. And I, I can't see them running or cantering away with a win here. But I think they do get the win nevertheless. Yeah, and it's, it's a fantastic rivalry. And it's, they will go at it tooth and nail. And I, it's one where I, I think the Seahawks will take the lead early, but just never be able to get away from the 49ers and actually relax. It is great to see you, Ben. Great to see Otto as well. Probably mm, thinking of power rankings there. Otto won YouTube, but that's fair because he's a lovely little fella. It was nice to see him on video for our podcast listeners. We might even sneak a little look, mm-hmm. see if Harry, the producer, can work his magic and we'll get some video out on our channels at the NC show. And you're on there, of course, at Tweets from Ben, right? Yeah, I'll be, uh, I'll be there moaning about the Bears all season and talking through college football and NFL Sundays and possibly... In the middle of the night, if Otto is uh, whining and pooing. A smart move. I'll take the night shift, of course. <laughs> of course <laughs> you will. You selfless man, you Ben Isaacs. Um, great to see you, man. Uh, check in with us very soon. Cheers. Bye. Okay, bud. Bye. Lovely stuff from Ben. He'll be back soon, and we'll get some college stylings from him as well. We're looking at starting to profile some of the big names, the next big things that will be in the NFL next season. Ben will uh, update us all over the coming weeks on some names to look out for 
in uh, the college game at the moment that will be in the NFL next season. And don't forget, of course, lots of college uh, action over on ESPN Player. So if you haven't got involved with that and you want to watch uh, some college football, that is the place that you head. Like I said, the field, I'm a company man. Enjoy the football this weekend. We're back on Monday. Looking back at it all. Can't wait for that. Can't wait for the action. I'm sure you can't too. So enjoy. And we'll see you Monday. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.